One of the things that I often ask CEOs or senior leaders that I invite onto the podcast is what keeps you up at night? We may believe that we have a well-oiled machine. Everybody's doing the work that they need to do. But how often have you gotten that call in the evening or on a weekend when the inevitable happens and you were throwing the dice hoping it wouldn't happen? And that's the difference between assuming things are running well versus having a risk-based mindset. And it's not necessarily being down or being negative about what could go wrong. But as leaders, we have the responsibility to be always thinking about, is there risk in my business and have I mitigated it? Again, having a plan B, thinking ahead is our job to be able to lead our organizations and avoid crises. Now, Let's get to our guest, Chuck Cooper. I am thrilled to have him on the show for a second time. He's got an amazing voice and also amazing insights for leaders to be thinking about how they protected the people in the business. And more importantly, or equally important, is that they protected the business because you need to be always thinking about where are the risks. And Chuck provides some amazing insight relative to the new normal in how we employ our people in the workplace. Let's listen. Today, because of the fact that we are going into a chapter where we are having more employees work remote, that there are going to be situations where we have to become really aware of the way that we go about promotions, the way that we go about selecting our new team members to become part of our company, because it's very, very easy for discrimination to come into play. Right now, as we look at leadership and managers, they feel like employees that are in the office where they can see them physically, that they are more productive than those employees that are working remote. A significant percentage of those working remote have a tendency to be female and also have a tendency to be minority. Because of that, we've got to really make sure that uh, discrimination does not come into play because of the fact that they are not being seen in the office. And yet studies currently show the people working remote are just as productive, if not more productive, working remote than they are working in the office. Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to enhance the human element and increase the results they achieve. This podcast is about bringing you conversations with expert guests who have achieved their greatest results built on a strong foundation of purpose, values, and elevating people. If you're a business leader, entrepreneur, or even just getting started in business, join us as we build the skills you need to achieve your goals. Hello, I am Deb Coviello, founder of The Drop-In CEO, and I am so excited you have chosen to listen to another episode of our podcast, or if you are returning, I am grateful that you have returned to hear insights and inspiration from the guests that I bring on this show. And if you like this episode, please share with others, binge if you'd like, subscribe, and let us know what you think because we are always trying to evolve this great programming. And today, it is my honor again to bring on an amazing guest who has been on my show in 2021. Chuck Cooper. So Chuck, we are not going to go into your regular bio because people should know you. They should look you up. We're going to have information about you in the show notes. But I just want to say, welcome back to the show. We're so excited to have this conversation with you. Thank you, Deb. It's great to be with you today. 
So the reason why Chuck is with us today is we immediately understood what is missing in business. I work with small and medium-sized businesses to help them with their operational opportunities and not only fix those business problems, but set the leadership up for success so they can sustain the improvements. And the work that Chuck does now also is to help them around human resourcing, making sure that they have the people in the places, the right strategy, so that they can be successful also with those resources for the long term. And what's super exciting now about bringing him back on the show is that he too has been on a journey, a journey to write the book that needed to be written. And I cannot wait for us to share more about that for all of our listeners. So Chuck, oh my, (laughs) I wrote a book too. It was a lot of work, but just for you personally, tell me more about the journey to write the book, The Unprecedented. It's a great story, Deb, because if I would have spoken with you two years ago and you would have asked me at that time, would you ever consider writing a book? The answer would have been a definitive no. And I think part of the journey that's really started as COVID hit, obviously, I had a lot more time to really be able to work from home and and have more downtime to think about, really just to become very, very introspective. And as doing that, I started in January of 2020, I actually started getting up and beginning to journal each and every day. And so I started taking my writings and really starting to go back through them and notice that there were some really some common threads that I thought were, I guess, I really had a desire to want to share with my small and mid-sized business community, as well as with my family. And so in 2021, I committed to taking the next step and really focusing in on trying to really crystallize my message that I was wanting to be able to communicate. And so I found that by writing each and every day, it helped me through that process. So for me personally, the journey kind of helped me to become very introspective, look back over the last three decades of my life and be able to really crystallize those areas that I had where I had learning opportunities, where I may have gone through failure, take those learning opportunities and put them into a format to where I could share that with my clients and become really transparent and you know really become real with them. And so I thought that that was really, for me personally, that was my greatest benefit, I guess. And then secondly, was the impact that it had on my clients. And you know, being able to just to take my ideas, my thoughts, and be able to share that with some different ones along the way really helped them with their business provide some guardrails for them that would um, allow them to make some better decisions where they actually achieved some greater success. So it's been a win-win situation for me. So what I really appreciate what you talk, essentially while we use the, the words in terms of journey, and yes, it's a process that you have to go through and discipline yourself to find out what is it that I stand for and get those messages out to the world, not only to distill your message, but also to then provide whatever that impact is for the people that we serve. And when I just turn a little bit towards then the people that are listening, again, yes, I am talking to you, not just Chuck, you're in the room with us right now, is that, you know, if you're in a career and you have these thoughts, and maybe you are or are not in an environment where those thoughts resonate with others, but they're still your thoughts, I'd ask you that you take post-it notes, take your whiteboard, take your electronic device or whatever it is, And just write down the words or phrases that you're thinking that are resonating because you want to capture that because someday you may want to put it in a message, in a book, in a blog post, in a webinar as your unique ideas and thoughts on how you see the world. Because I promise you, you're going to kick yourself if you don't do that. 
But also, you may have something resounding and very interesting that people need to hear. So off my soapbox, back to you, Chuck. (laughs) It's just so important. So the title, Unprecedented, Building a Multi-Generational Business on Trust, Respect, and the Valuing of People. That's a mouthful. Tell me more what the intention of that (laughs) title is. So the the title Unprecedented came from just looking back over the last couple of years, we've come through a pandemic. And really, for most of us, this is the first time we've gone through something like this. And so I felt like Unprecedented in itself was very appropriate for a title. As far as the subtitle to the book, that's really where my focus is and my heart and passion is coming through, is the fact that whenever I talk with you know, small and mid-sized business owners who I have worked with for the last 25 years. I've seen uh, just a lot of trends that have started maybe, you know, back in 2010, 2012, and watch those trends continue. And some of those trends have been really concerning for me. Just as an example, you know, as we have multi-generations in the workforce now, to see that there are some significant differences in the way that we view life, the way that we view work, and how that has really really started to play out in relationships within a company. Second, I've seen that there has been a growing chasm with a lack of trust between management in many cases and the employees. Maybe that is within individual teams or departments, but overall, when you look at a small company that may have 10, 15, 20 employees, those individual relationships become really, really important and have a direct impact on on the overall success of the company. So that's really what I'm hoping with my book, really to be able to help uh, provide a bridge to bring parties together, to have conversations, to deal with some of these key issues with the idea that it will uh, generate some really a better culture within the company and help help lead them to a greater financial success, but also a healthier employee base to work from. So there's so many directions I can go in there, but if I could share a quick story, you know, I'm working with a small team right now whereby they can't get the process over the finish line. And I'm working with the person who crafted the process and they said, I can't work with it. You know, I can't get them to agree or what have you. And I said, well, how did you communicate the change or the new process to them? You know, and they said, well, I emailed it to them and I just assumed that they would cascade it to their people. And it was like, oh my. <laughs> so this is somebody of maybe a younger generation that's very electronic, quick decision making, et cetera. And, but then the generation above or half a generation above needs a little socializing. Let's talk through that, maybe to process it out, whether it's just the way they process information or generationally, that causes breakdown in communication. And then when you're not communicating, then perceptions start rising. And then that distrust about, oh, they don't care or they're not on board when, oh my, we just have to figure out how to communicate between the generations here in order to get the desired results. Don't assume that on the first out of the gate, they're not cooperative. Did you ever build trust in a relationship? And it's so true. I mean, in multi-situations here recently, I've, I've been working with companies and we've been talking through some really sensitive topics. Coming back to the basics of communication, when we have the multi-generations, you're exactly right. You have the younger generation. They prefer to communicate via text. Others, they want to have that face-to-face interaction. Some just want to do email. But the reality is when we have the different generations, I think it's so important to bring them together on the front end of the project. And let's have some communication, some dialogue about what our preferences are and get those everything, everybody synced up so that we're all on the same page so we can move forward effectively and efficiently. 
You know, I agree about that because some people, you know, I'll come into a new situation. And they'll say, oh, they're just not cooperative. They never respond to email. And then I'm saying to myself, I got to figure this out because I need to work with them going forward. And to your point, this is really important for our listeners is that if you have to build a relationship with a new person, yes, if somebody profiles them in advance, it's good information to keep in your back pocket, but you need to see that, see that person. And when I say see, it's see them, hear them, feel them, understand them. And one of those questions you should always have on your checklist is what's the best way to communicate with you? And like I said, if it's text, you got to meet them where they're at. If it's email or no, let's just jump on a call, but you know, get this out of here. You need to understand their mode of communication and it's on us, unfortunately, or fortunately to take accountability and flex to the mode of communication because ultimately we have to be the leaders and we have to be able to get our agendas moving forward one step at a time, regardless of the differences. So my question here now is, and so now that you've written the book (laughs) and it's coming out real soon, how do you feel afterwards? How does it feel for you? It's one, it's, it's a relief to get through, but also there is just a lot of excitement because as I go back and have been rereading different chapters of the book, I'm really excited about the content that's there uh, and really the potential impact that it can have. And I was just talking with someone yesterday about the book. And, you know, I said, I really don't have any real expectations as far as what the impact's going to be. And her comment to me was, if it just has impact on one person that can have a greater impact on their you know, community or on their sphere of influence, that that's it's definitely worth it. And I think that's so important to keep that perspective. So that's a really important point. And again, I know that's a point of joy. I also remember somebody saying, I read chapter one, you made me think, I put down the book. And I really have to think about what you're saying because it could change the trajectory of what I'm doing. And it is so impactful to know, put the work, put the word out into the world, because if you can change the trajectory of just one person, it really is all that matters. It's a leading indicator that what you had to say really, really matters. But let's just dig into it just a little bit more. Is there a particular chapter, principle, concept that excites you the most that is maybe different where people say, oh yeah, that's so needed or that is a different or that's a game changer. So it's just one particular nugget in there that you can bring forward for us to understand. You know, since COVID, I think the way that leaders lead their people has changed significantly. And so, you know, as we're looking through the the building of trust, and again, to your point earlier, Deb, I think that upon us, as leaders to, to really own this next step of trying to reach out to our teams and the people that are on the team to start to build that relationship and build that trust. I think the, the one of the key nuggets that I'm trying to communicate in this chapter is that from a leader standpoint, rather than leading one to a team, we have to really bring it back to where we become demanded one-to-one. And the key piece to that is we have to really bring being human back into leadership. Mm, Yeah, you know, I talk about one-to-ones, and while it is time-consuming, think about the time wasted when you are not connecting one-to-one. Again, that's where the breakdown in communication or information or alignment happens. So maybe investing a little extra time more often than just at review time will actually save you time in the end and bring back money into the business. So you have a very interesting chapter in here that I want to learn more about, and you talk about isms in the workplace. And I'm very curious about that. What are your insights or what are you seeing uh, in the workplace that you'd like to bring to people's attention? So really, the this chapter is probably 
the one that is going to generate the most conversations out of all the chapters in the book. And the reason is it really does touch on the topics of everything from racism to ageism to sexism. So everything that is really under that discrimination umbrella. And I think as we look at today, because of the fact that we are going into a chapter where we are working, having more employees work remote to work you know, through hybrid models, uh, that there are going to be situations where we have to become really aware of the way that we go about promotions, the way that we go about selecting our new team members to become part of our company, because it's very, very easy to, for discrimination to come into play. Right now, as we look at from a leadership and from managers, they feel like employees that are on in the office where they can see them physically, that they are more productive than those employees that are working remote. A, a significant percentage of those working remote have a tendency to be female and also have a tendency to be a minority. And so because of that, we've got to really make sure that, that uh, discrimination does not come into play because of the fact that they are not being seen in the office. And yet studies currently show that people working remote are just as productive, if not in many cases, more productive working remote than they are working in the office. So we've really got to be aware of as we move forward, how we go about uh, watching and, and auditing and also changing our processes for how we go about selecting our team members and how we go about offering promotions in the future. Now, this is so important. And again, I, I leave it to you to be the expert in coaching those leaders in how to do that. But I mean, I think I want to take this in another direction because that's so important. Again, I usually turn a blind eye to those things, but the reality is, is that these things do happen, whether intended or unintended. And so I think what you bring forward is really good insights to any business leader that's here is to just check themselves, ask themselves, maybe partner with their HR partners to say, are we truly treating everybody fairly, whether intentionally or unintentionally, we may not realize how people feel. And really building that one-on-one, -on -one, whether it's the one-to-one -one with the leader to their people, or maybe having HR uh, as another resource, checking with the people, surveying the people, seeing how they're feeling. And, and I really like the point about having an auditing process, having an auditing process. And that's a really interesting concept. I'm actually going to go there because I'm thinking about this. HR needs to support the business leaders in order to follow the processes. They also have to make sure we serve the needs of the people. So they're very vested in all of these parts. How can they be independent and audit the process for good human resource practices, et cetera, when they're in with the leaders and the people and then to audit that? How can they be independent or how can you get real good insight on that so you don't have it as a risk for your business? Part of that solution may very well be that they have to bring somebody in from the outside. So they may have to bring an HR consultant in to kind of spearhead that, that part of the process uh, because of the fact it is... What I'm finding, Deb, is within HR, we have a tendency to have basically a, a silo where HR operates and things have, we are very, very rigid many times in the way that we operate. And I think as we're moving forward, these walls of, of a silo have got to come down so that we've got a flattened organization because what goes on within HR is having a direct impact on finance. And vice versa, what happens to finance has a direct impact sometimes on HR and on people. So to be able to break this down to where we can, again, have more community and have more communications, I think is really important. But back to your question of the audit process, I think that we need to you know, expand out the people that are actually doing the audit. 
And maybe we need to have a small group of people where we have some employees that are part of this and HR and some leadership and, and have that conversation around you know, to get different perspectives before we make a final decision on what that new policy or that new process is going to look like. So you're saying it's as easy as it could be done internally, as long as you have a good culture that can receive that 360 feedback and learning. But if not, and they need an objective outsider, could they reach out to you and your team to be able to provide those services? Absolutely. I mean, we certainly are doing that right now. And in many cases, from a geographic standpoint, where we can't physically be there, we have resources that we can tap into to help you know, make recommendations to fill that need. So. And who typically reaches out to you? Is it the HR leader or maybe somebody else in the organization that's feeling the pain? It's actually most of the time, it's actually somebody from the C-suite that is reaching out. Okay. And they recognize or they are placing a high enough importance on that particular issue that um, they're reaching out to us to get our thoughts and asking us to at least be a part of that first discovery meeting with them and their leadership team. And when do they contact you? Are they already in crisis? Or are they starting to feel signals that they are pre-crisis and they do need an external voice? That is a great question and actually is a topic that I address in the book from being a reactive versus proactive. And so the majority of people that reach out, they're already in crisis mode. And that really creates a sense of urgency to get in for us to be able to slow that process down and, and make sure that we're putting the process together correctly. But for those organizations, those leadership teams that are being proactive, they're able to really see a lot of the positives and success come from that. And I guess the way I would best describe it is as entrepreneurs, we try to manage as much of the company as we possibly can. So we are doing as much as we can without having to delegate that to other people within the organization. So that puts us in a very reactive mode. If you're proactive, yes, there's an additional cost up front by doing so. But when you compare that against the cost of being reactive, it costs a great deal more on the back end than it does for the dollars you're investing on the front end. So I can attest to the fact that I personally have gone through that. I grew up in a family and I operated very reactively until I had someone from the Department of OSHA come to my door and say that they needed my time for the day. And I, uh, as I said in the book, I put my ignorance on full display because I asked that gentleman to... Uh, leave and to call and schedule an appointment with me because today was not good. He, he informed me right there that the next two days, I was going to be with him. And so <laughs> one it, day went to two days. <laughs> it went to two days. We had about 20 infractions that were found. And there was about the initial audit came out to about $80,000 that we were going to have to spend to correct the violations within the plant. So that is certainly a painful story for which you are trying to prevent people from having not only the financial impact, but also the risk. You know, it's, it's a long risk because then people hear about it. And what is it that is not complying with either standards or in work practices? So let that not be you, whoever is listening. And even if you're not in the C-suite or an aspiring C-suite leader, I guess this book is pretty much written for the C-suite leaders in those organizations to take a broader perspective on how they run their business as they grow and change. But for somebody who is aspiring for the C-suite, they may not feel like they're in control, but they too see these things. What can they do now in order to be attuned to the different generations, make sure they're building trust and respect in the work that they do and 
exude the behaviors of the leaders that they should be someday. So what are some tips for somebody who's not quite there, but will be there soon? I think more than anything, it's really about, again, going back to developing the relationships with people within the organization. That is relationships with people that are above you, as well as those that may be working underneath or, you know, in different departments. And then also, you know, taking into consideration the the different generations. I think that that's really where someone really needs to start. And then I think within organizations right now, Deb, we, we see a lot of from top down communications. And I think that as we're moving forward, the younger generation, especially, they want that opportunity and to have that channel to have communication going up from their perspective. And so if you're someone that is aspiring or would like to get to the C-suite someday, you start to build that channel is really, really important and could have a great impact on departments as well as the company. It helps you develop new skills in order to communicate just the butterflies in your stomach to say, I want to meet with this person. And then what are you going to say once you have the opportunity? But oh my, now you are on the radar, hopefully. Right. You are seen and respected. You may learn what you should and should not say or how to say it, but that's one step forward by putting yourself out there, asking those questions, building relationships, because at the end of the day, if it's another pandemic, an economic, political, or socio-whatever crisis, It's the relationships that are most important in terms of people having each other's back. It's not the technology. It's not the process. It's not the email you said. It all goes to relationships and who can you pick up on the phone and who has your back. So amazing, amazing conversation. So the book is coming out when and how can people get a hold of you? The book is scheduled to be out in the month of May. And right now we're projecting that it's going to be available for the market on May 9th. And Mm -hmm. they will should be able to get the book on Amazon or they can go to our website, which is Chuck Cooper. So it's C-H-U-C-K-C-O-O-P-E-R dot info. And there they can get a copy of the book as well. And I am sure you're open for speaking and other podcast invites because I think it's so important that we do self-promotion. Like Chuck and, and I, we are I have a relationship and I am trying to connect him with the rest of the people in my community to build a relationship. So if you check out Chuck's content, connect with him on LinkedIn, connect with him on his website, just say, hey, I heard you here and I just want to learn a little bit more. He's doing some amazing work and I also try to support him and his network in connecting him with the right people and service to others. So I am grateful to know you, Chuck. I wish you great success on the book. Any last comments before we bring it to a close? You know, one is I really do appreciate the opportunity to be back on your show, Deb. And then second, I just want to give you a plug too, because uh, your book has been a great resource for uh, some of my clients and this really has helped them. I've actually gotten feedback from them. And so I just want to pass that on to you that the work that you did and that you are doing right now is having a significant impact on the small and mid-sized business community. Music to my ears. And I did not pay you to say that. So sincerely appreciate that. Chuck, I wish you continued success in the work you're doing as well as in your new book, Unprecedented building a multi-generational business on trust, respect, and the valuing of people. I wish you continued success and you've been a great guest. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. My new book, CEO's Compass, will change the way you think about leadership, navigate rapid transformation, and elevate the leaders of tomorrow. If you're feeling off track, the CEO's Compass Assessment will guide you to peace of mind in days, not months. 
You can learn more about the CEO's Compass by visiting my website at dropinceo.com. Now go out and lead, inspire, and achieve your goals.